Our reading is in Luke chapter 22, which can be found on page 1059. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 66, and we'll read through to chapter 23, verse 5. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started it in Galilee and has come all the way here. Things aren't necessarily what they first might seem. And that really powerful moment, that switch in perspective, is in fact the key to understanding much of what happened on Good Friday. Last time we saw Jesus, he had been arrested and taken to the house of the high priest. Peter had spent most of the nights out in the courtyard denying that he ever knew this man. And Jesus had been interrogated and beaten through the night. At daybreak, the Sanhedrin gathers. This is the, what we might call the supreme court of Old Testament Israel. 71 chief priests and experts in the Jewish law. And notice how rushed this process is. Jesus was only arrested a few hours ago, and yet they are desperate to see him killed. They've been doing their best so far to get a charge to stick against Jesus. And now they try a different tactic. Now they try to get Jesus to incriminate himself. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. They want to prove that Jesus is a threat to Rome. If they can quote him saying that he is God's chosen king, that really would be all the ammunition that they need. And yet Jesus deflects the question. If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, we've had this discussion before. If I tell you, you're not going to believe my words. And yet in the future, my actions are going to do the talking. Jesus knows that soon, beyond death, he's going to be lifted up to the highest throne. And now the Sanhedrin have got him. Notice that in verse 70, it reads, they all asked. It's like in their excitement, they're all talking over one another. Did he say what I thought he said? Did he claim that he is the son of God? That was a title that was reserved for Roman emperors. It would definitely get Jesus in trouble. Jesus replies, you say that I am. Have you ever wondered why he doesn't just give a straight yes to their question? It's not exactly emphatic, is it? It is a yes, because that's how um, the Sanhedrin understand him in the next verse. But it's a yes in a roundabout way. Yes, I am the Son of God, but not in the way you expect, not in the way you mean. Jesus could explain himself, of course. He could defend himself, but he doesn't feel the need to. As soon as they get this admission, they all head off up the road to see Pontius Pilate. He's the Roman governor over that area, and they can't get the death penalty without his say-so. And once more, everyone's involved. They throw three accusations against Jesus, subverting our nation, opposing payment of taxes, and claiming to be Messiah, a king. And all of these accusations, whether true or not, are calculated to show that Jesus is a threat to the Roman Empire. They think that if they can show that this man Jesus is setting himself up as a rival power, then Pilate is going to be all too happy to clear him out of the way for them. But this powerful Roman governor finds it all a little bit strange. He looks Jesus up and down and and asks with emphatic scepticism, are you, you, are you the king of the Jews? This guy? Really? He's been up all night, stressed and exhausted. He probably looks a mess after all the beating. He certainly falls far short of the stereotypical image of the charismatic revolutionary. Jesus replies, you have said so. Once again, it's not a, it's not a straight yes. It is a yes, but it's a yes in a roundabout way. Yes, I am the king of the Jews, but not in the way you mean it. He could explain himself, of course. He could defend himself but he doesn't feel the need to. And Pilate doesn't see this guy as a threat whatsoever. I find no basis for a charge against this man. From his perspective, Jesus looks like nothing. In these two trials that um, we've just heard about, Jesus is presented before two mighty powers. The power of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel with all its history, with all its heritage, and the power of Pilate, backed by the might of the Roman Empire. 
And from the perspective of human power, how does Jesus seem? He seems like nothing. He seems weak. But we need a shift of perspective. There are hints in these verses that all is not as it seems. Because reading these verses, we get a sense, don't we? That here is a man who is totally in control. There's no panic or desperation in his voice, is there? When, um, when, we're, when we're nervous, we often speak more, not less. We fill awkward silences or we stumble over our words when we're giving a presentation. But Jesus is so far from that. Here, with his life in the balance, he's calm. In front of these powers, Jesus is given the opportunity to explain himself, to defend himself, to appeal to human power that might change his fate, but he doesn't. Whether he's accepted or rejected by these judges is just totally irrelevant to him because he knows that before the supreme court of the universe, he is more than accepted. As he said himself in verse 69, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. I think we need that switch of perspective today. Compared to the human powers of public opinion or aggressive secularism, Jesus looks weak. And sometimes in our weaker moments, he may even begin to shrink in our minds too. But this couldn't be further from the truth. Maybe in difficult circumstances, some of us too are tempted to place Jesus on trial. Why is this happening? What are you going to do about it? Do you even care? We might demand answers, but Jesus is under no obligation to give answers. He is still the same mighty, loving Lord that he has always been. One day we'll understand. And some verses that I was reading this morning. According to Revelation 5, the day is coming where this one who seems so weak, who seems such a so such a lack of a threat, who seems like nothing, the day is coming when 100 million angels and every creature on earth will declare, worthy is the one who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Until then, let's switch our perspective. Looking beyond human standards. We must remember that whatever things might seem, Jesus is far from weak. He is seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Let's take a couple of minutes just to meditate on what we've just heard. You may like to have those verses open in front of you. Consider whether Jesus is shrinking in your own estimation and ask the Lord to show him 
as he really is.